It's time for Disagree With Me or Don't, guys. Let's talk about it. This is DWMOD. As always, I'm your host, Mikey Wilson. Stay with me now. Hey, the Pistons are scrappy, but it's quickly looking like we got all our balls in that lottery bag. Down! Hut! 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 Hey, it's 2023, and they still haven't put Sweet Lou Whitaker in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Knock it off. Ready? Aw, Lions fans drinking that Kool-Aid. Super Bowl! Hey, disagree with me or don't. That's how it works. Hut! Hut! For everybody that was laughing at Dan Campbell, he has delivered everything that he has promised. And now the NFL world is bathing in the grit and drinking the Kool-Aid of the Detroit Lions. The man is the coach of the year. Everybody's up in arms about a college football playoff expansion. Make it 8, make it 10, make it 16, it doesn't matter. In five years, the two super conferences known as the SEC and the B1G will have their own individual playoffs, and those two teams will meet in the college Super Bowl. Bet on it. Hey, disagree with me or don't. That's how it works. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Hey, we got a great one lined up for you this week. As you know, we got the playoff pick'em continuing. We're heading into the championship weekend for the NFL. So Andy and Anthony will be back. We'll be breaking down those games, checking out the fresh new standings. We got a new leader, pulled himself out of the cellar. Been following the Twitter. You know that that's Andy St. Clair, our resident Vegas odds maker, and he is putting his knowledge to work this year. He cleaned up this weekend and took the lead, and we'll be checking those guys out in a little bit later in the show here. Just a couple of quick PSAs here. You guys know we're gearing up for the launch on Honest Network coming up mid-February. We got the Super Bowl special coming up. That's going to be virtual tailgate party. Everybody can log in. You'll be in there. You can discuss things. There's going to be all kind of bits and segments going on on that thing. We'll have more information for you guys on how to get involved in that. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun. So follow the Twitter, DWMODpod, and we're going to have the information up there for you. Click, uh, you know, easy click links for you so you can get signed up on Honest Network and be able to watch that thing on your Hulu, on your Amazon Fire Stick, soon to be Apple TV. That's going to be great, man. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we are looking forward to it. Also coming up here in California, man, is the East-West California High School Football All-Star Game. I feel very lucky, uh, very honored to be asked to coach the offensive defensive line in the game for the East team. And we're going to have some studs from Calabasas High School on that D-line and that O-line, no doubt about it, man. So if you're in the area, check that game out. It's coming up February 4th out of Ventura College. Game kickoff is at 1 o'clock. That should be a lot of fun, man. A lot of good players in that game, a lot of big-time guys. Should be fun. Cannot wait. Speaking of things that you cannot wait for, um, here's something I can wait for. I can just wait every year, and I don't care how long it takes. Sometimes I'd like to just skip it. And that is the Baseball Writers of America telling us about who's going to be in and out for the Baseball Hall of Fame. You guys that listen to the show know how irritating I find these guys. They pick and choose who they like. They put in who they want every year, and it is absolutely frustrating. Now listen, I said it once and I'll say it again. I love that there are higher standards for the Baseball Hall of Fame than there are for all the other Hall of Fames in sports. It is tough to get in. That being said, sometimes they just let guys in that they like and then that leaves the rest of us holding the bag going, okay, well then what about this other guy if that's how you're going to play it? So let's take a look at this year's ballot. First and foremost, 
they're finally going to put Fred McGriff in, and it took a veterans committee to put this guy into the Hall of Fame. I mean, you've heard us on the show before talk about how ridiculous it is that Fred McGriff didn't go in uh, at least second ballot. I mean, here's a guy who ended his career with 493 home runs, right? Seven short of the 500 mark. That's an automatic Hall of Fame vote right there. And he had his most home runs. I think he had like 30-something home runs at the All-Star break when they went on strike in the 90s. I think the 94 season, they went on strike, and he didn't get to play the second half of that season. He was clearly going to hit a couple more home runs. But anyway, we'll see how they, uh, as I've said before, we'll see how they take into consideration when this generation's players are coming close to 500 home runs and are going to be considered for the Hall of Fame and maybe they fell a bit short but they had to play through the COVID season will that be taken into consideration like oh they did have a shortened season so if a guy's a couple short give it to him they probably will but anyways I don't want to get long-winded on that but 493 home runs right 2490 hits 1550 RBIs let me ask you, do you know how many guys in the history of Major League Baseball ended their career with 2,500 hits, 500 home runs, and 1,500 RBIs? It's a handful, guys. It's not many at all. It's not many at all. And this guy had to sit around and wait to get in the Hall of Fame? Why? Why? Explain that to me. When we're going to look at the guy on this year's ballot who's the lone soldier to get into the Hall of Fame, and that's Scott Rowland. And now listen to me. I'm not saying I don't think Scott Rowland belongs. I'm just saying look at his numbers and then look at Fred McGriff's and you tell me why is Fred McGriff getting put in 20 years after he's done playing just about by a veterans committee. Okay, here's Scott Rowland's numbers and he's voted into the Hall of Fame. Scott Rowland finished his career with 2,000 hits, 316 home runs, and 1,280 RBIs. Okay, his lifetime batting average, 281. And here's a guy that they put into the Hall of Fame. But a guy like McGriff, who's in the company of, I believe, 12 other players ever in the history of the game, have done what he's done. And he's got to wait for the Veterans Committee? Come on, man. And he's the lone soldier this year. He's the only one getting in. I mean, McGriff is getting in by the Veterans Committee, but Roland is the only one voted in off the ballot this year. Let's run down the rest of the ballot. Todd Helton comes really close at 72% of the votes. He doesn't get in. He's another guy with similar numbers to Roland. Uh, you know, okay, that's fine if that's the new benchmark. That's fine. Those two those two guys are really good players, man. Uh, Billy Wagner's third on there. If you don't know who he is, a relief pitcher, like 430 saves or something like that in his career. He's a guy that's probably probably going to end up getting in. He was at 68%, and, and rightfully so, 400-some saves. It's you know under the radar. He's a guy that's under the radar on that. You probably didn't even know the name, but he'll probably end up getting in. Andrew Jones is at like 58%. He's a borderline guy, fence guy. Uh, the next guy on the ballot shot up quite a bit this year, and I was glad to see that, and hopefully next year they'll get it right and put him in. He's the only other guy with 500 home runs that isn't involved with the steroids that is not in, and it's Gary Sheffield. And again, it's because Gary Sheffield notoriously did not like reporters and writers, didn't give them what they wanted story-wise, and could be a bit confrontational with them. So he hits his 500 home runs, and they don't put him in the Hall of Fame because they don't like him. But it looks like they're trending in the right direction of maybe they're just punishing him and making him wait, and then they're going to give it to him next year, which they should. The chef belongs in the Hall. Now, I'm not going to get into all the other guys on the ballot that are starting to creep up and get more votes but are not near getting in the Hall of Fame. These steroid guys, you know, Rodriguez, Ramirez, you know, all these guys. You know where I stand on that. Don't put them in. I, I think for right now my opinion on that is posthumously. 
You know what I mean? Like maybe one day at a long, long, long time from now, Veterans Committee puts those guys in maybe. That's how that works. But the huge snub on this ballot is a player who it's his last chance on the ballot. He is now off the ballot. That's it. A Veterans Committee will have to come back for this guy. And it's Jeff Kent. And again, this is a guy that was um, he was an asshole, man. His teammates didn't like him. Ty Cobb's teammates didn't like him. They put him in the hall. Anyway, his teammates really never liked him. This is a guy's confrontational game with reporters, media, just kind of a, a cocky, arrogant. That was his reputation, man. And he just didn't get along with a lot of these guys. But he is the all-time leader in home runs for second baseman. He's second in RBIs all-time for second baseman. He's got a 290 lifetime batting average, 2,400 hits, 350 home runs, 1,500 RBIs. His numbers dwarf Scott Rollins you just voted in, and this guy was a second baseman, not a DH outfielder, third baseman, Rollins third baseman. Uh, you know, this guy played second base. His numbers are fantastic. He won an MVP. Why is this guy not in the Hall of Fame? Because you don't like him. And they'll use all kinds of excuses, these writers, as to why they choose the guys they like. And listen, I'm going to bring up a guy right now. This might be controversial. You can disagree with me or don't on that. But I'm going to bring up Sandy Koufax, man. Sandy Koufax is one of the great pitchers in the history of the game. He is. But all the time we hear about players like Dale Murphy that dominated a decade, won three MVPs, but the final numbers of his career were just short of what they think are Hall of Fame numbers. And his numbers are every bit as good as Roland's. But I'm just saying, Dale Murphy's a guy that they don't put in because the end of his career numbers were borderline, okay? And they say, yeah, he dominated an era, but his whole career is what we look at. Well, Sandy Koufax went in first ballot. Sandy Koufax only pitched 12 years in Major League Baseball, guys, and you might not know, his first six years weren't that good. He didn't win a ton of games in his first six years, guys, and his ERA was north of four. It was the last six years of his career that he absolutely dominated the game. He dominated the game in his last six years, but only for six years. That's not the criteria you guys have set. Sandy Koufax finished his career with 165 wins, 87 losses, and a 2.74 ERA. He had 2,396 strikeouts, so 2,400 strikeouts, okay? Won an MVP, couple Cy Youngs in those last six years, and that's it. But a guy like Kurt Schilling is not in the Hall of Fame again because he's butted heads with you guys and you don't like him. Here's Kurt Schilling. We all know Kurt Schilling. This guy's postseason credentials alone should probably put him in the Hall of Fame. And here's his career numbers. 216 and 147. That's his record. 216 wins, 3.4 lifetime ERA, 3,116 strikeouts. Okay, three times he finished second for the Cy Young, and three World Series appearances, rings, and a World Series MVP. I don't like the guy's politics as much as you probably don't, but this guy belongs in the Hall of Fame, and he's not in. You just move the goalposts for the players you like. And I'm going to bring up the biggest tragedy, the biggest travesty of all right now, and I'm going to bang it home again, and you've heard me before. Sweet Lou Whitaker is not in the Hall of Fame yet, and that is ridiculous. All these other guys whose numbers don't add up, they want to come at us with the new analytics and talk about war, but is war and all this analytical stuff. Now keep that in mind because we're going to circle back on analytics and we're going to apply them to Lou Whitaker and then we'll see where their argument lands. But you, you can take Joe Morgan as like the poster child for second baseman in the Hall of Fame, right? You, I'm telling you right now, you pull up Joe Morgan's numbers, his career numbers, and put them next to Lou Whitaker's, they are exactly the same. They are exactly 
the same, okay? And Morgan was a first ballot Hall of Famer. Lou Whitaker was on the ballot once. And if you don't get at least 5% of the vote in your first ballot, you're bounced off the ballot immediately. Lou Whitaker only got 2.5% of the vote on his first ballot. Now, here's a guy who had the offensive numbers of Joe Morgan. And, you know, you got a guy like Ozzie Smith whose offensive numbers are atrocious, but they put him in the Hall of Fame for defense, which is fine, which is fine. But Lou Whitaker also had the defense. Lou Whitaker and Alan Trammell were, and still are, the reigning double play tandem in the history of baseball. The Veterans Committee put Trammell in last year. Whitaker has got to be going in the Hall of Fame. This is ridiculous. And it all has to do with these writers. And it all has to do with these guys with the votes. Now, the age and generation of the guys who are voting are usually, you know, well beyond the guys they're voting on. During Whitaker's playing days, a lot of the guys that were covering Major League Baseball were guys that had experience. There were post-World War II type of guys. And Lou Whitaker was a black player. And Lou Whitaker was a guy that was a Jehovah's Witness, and he did not come out for the National Anthem, and they railed him for that. They railed him for that so hard. They hated him, but it was a religious thing. They don't do that. They don't celebrate Christmas. They don't celebrate birthdays. They don't celebrate anything outside of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that's their business, dude. This is America. They don't do that. So it was a religious thing that he didn't stand up for the anthem out on the chalk line and they hated him for that and that era of writers also was white writers who were extremely intimidated at the amount of black baseball players that were starting to infiltrate major league baseball you know it was it was sparse in the 60s 50s when the color breaker the barrier was broken it was sparse and it was growing it was growing but no other era had a bigger growth in that demographic than the that late 70s and through the 80s in, in baseball. And sadly, it has died down, and that's a topic for another day. Like I think this year was the first World Series since the 50s where neither team, I believe, had an African-American on the team. They didn't have an American-born black player on the team, which is sad. Baseball is dying uh, within that culture, and I don't know why. It's sad because there's a, there are some really good baseball players and athletes. But anyway, conversation for another day. But that also hurt guys like Whitaker in that era. A lot of these writers were scared the game was being taken over and it's changing. And these guys, these guys come from, you know, the 30s and 40s where, listen, I don't need to go any further on this. You understand what I'm saying, okay? But again, it had to do with race and religion. And these guys just didn't like Lou Whitaker. And there was no reason not to. Sparky Anderson famously said, Lou Whitaker's a guy that's not going to talk about it. He's just going to go do it. And this guy does it. And his numbers are from the leadoff position, too. Let's remember that. When you look at his numbers compared to Joe Morgan's, Lou Whitaker was a leadoff hitter. So that's a big difference as well. Now, I just want to double back on those analytics we were talking about. Guys want to talk about war and everything. There's a very popular analytic among Hall of Famers. Okay, it's called the Jaws Cybermetric. The Jaws Cybermetric is what they use to rank current Hall of Famers to see who was the best at that position to the worst. And they all, you know, they put the numbers in there, blah, 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 stolen bases, home runs, uh, throw out, everything's considered in there, right? And they get the number and then they rank the players who are Hall of Famers. You apply the Jaws metric to Lou Whitaker and then place him among the 21 current second basemen in the Hall of Fame. Okay, Hall of Fame's got 21 second basemen in it. You give Lou Whitaker a Jaws number, he's the 11th best second baseman in the history of baseball. He's not in the Hall of Fame, though, right? 
Come on, man. And that's where we're going to start with knock it off. Baseball writers of America, quit pretending there's any kind of morality to what you do and you hold this guard of the hall and you have integrity in it. You pick who you like, man. Knock it off. All right, knock it off. Knock it off. It's time to make Lou Whitaker the 22nd second baseman in the Hall of Fame, and it's time to make Jeff Kent the 23rd. Knock it off. All right, knock it off. Knock it off. All right, hey, let's talk a little Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady made a statement this week that he's fed up answering questions about his future. He's fed up of everybody asking him if he's retiring or not. And I'm going to tell you this right now, Tom. I agree with you. I agree with Tom Brady here so much it's not even funny. Knock it off, man. Leave the dude alone and quit asking him about something he doesn't even know the answer to. What do you want, the first soundbite of him saying I'm going to retire so that next month you can have the first soundbite of him saying I'm coming back? He's retiring. He's coming back. He's retiring. He's coming back. Listen, just let Tom Brady figure it out. Let Tom Brady let us know when he knows, and my guess is we'll all know sometime around August, man. Quit asking that guy that. I agree with him. Knock it off. All right, knock it off. Knock it off. And there's one more thing that has been bothering me. You know I hate, like, these deep-dive stats that they give us all the time with this, all these analytics and deep-dive stats. This stuff drives me crazy, man. I hate stupid stats that they throw at us with some kind of meaning. And the latest one is, like, uh, this quarterback has more playoff wins than this franchise. Like, last week a big one was Patrick Mahomes has nine playoff wins. He's got more playoff wins than the whole Jaguars franchise combined. They've only won eight playoff games in the history of the franchise. Well, guys, I'm going to tell you this. I was shocked to find out that the Jaguars have won eight playoff games in their history. They're an expansion team from the 90s. This is a stupid, stupid stat. Yeah, Mahomes has nine playoff wins. He's made Super Bowl runs for three years in a row, and the playoffs are multiple rounds now compared to what they used to be, and blah, blah, blah. I'm not knocking Mahomes. He's he's amazing. He's the best in the game. I'm just saying, this is stupid. Like, let's play your game. Let's play your game right now, then, uh, analytic deep dive stat guy. Uh, Brock Purdy has won as many playoff games as the Detroit Lions in the history of their franchise. Uh, how stupid does that sound? Sounds really dumb. Lions have won one playoff game in the Super Bowl era. Brock Purdy's won just as many. What does that mean? It means nothing, man. Just knock it off. All right, knock it off. Knock it off. All right, that's enough, right? We're, we're done. We're done with the negativity for the week, guys, right? <laughs> let's be done with the negativity, and let's move into some speculation and quick hits. <laughs> Okay, we touched on the Matt Weiss University of Michigan thing last week when he was suspended for the charges being brought down on him for the computer fraud or whatever they're calling the computer crimes that he committed, right? Well, we found out this week University of Michigan dove into it and they fired him. So it's still a cloud of secrecy around what these charges are and what was done, and we're never going to know. They're not telling us. They're keeping it real tight-lipped. But as soon as they got to the bottom of it from the inside, they fired the guy. So... I still think this thing is crazy and what the heck could have been going on. But here's a theory, and this is pure speculation and just a theory, right? The computers that the computer that was used was his in Schembechler Hall that did all these things, right? Well, who, how would he be getting into other people's emails from his computer? 
Now, here's an interesting theory. And anybody that's played college football, you know this. Uh, a lot of times you're in there talking to your position coaches or whatever, and you guys don't have a computer, and they're jumping on the coach's computer in his office to get in and check their grades, show them, coach their progress, logging into their accounts. So he could have had multiple players and students uh, you know, in his office over the course of the time he was there that had signed into their accounts on his computer and the next time he goes to his computer, he could log right into their accounts if those passwords were kept. Some computers are set to just keep the passwords, right? So he very likely, well, I'm not going to say likely, speculation, but he could have been going into all these players' emails to try and find out if they're trying to get in the portal or if they're leaving, are they talking to other coaches? I mean, this absolutely could have been all swarming around the portal at that time I mean it's mid-December when he's doing it and with Michigan football already in under investigation for all kind of violations of NCAA rules and Harbaugh being um, accused of directly lying to the committee that was investigating him but he still denies that I you know I'm not getting into that but I'm just saying they're already in, under investigation for a lot of stuff if they get found out that coaches are going into players emails to find out about the transfer portal and stuff so I think they might have got out in front of this thing and nipped it in the bud and he's gone and I don't think we're going to find out what these crimes were they're being pretty tight-lipped over there and nobody seems to know anything <laughs> Let's move on over to Division I men's basketball, man. Let's do that because let's give a huge, huge big up to my man Antoine Davis from the University of Detroit Mercy Titans for being the nation's leading scorer right now. We have the nation's leading scorer. Davis is averaging 27 points a game and leading the nation in scoring from Little Old University of Detroit Mercy the home of Dick Vitale, and the pride of Detroit. Let's keep it going, man. Congratulations, Antoine. We're super proud of you, man. It's Detroit versus everybody, no doubt. Now let's get Fago and Better Made on the hook here. Let's get this thing right, and let's get this kid some NIL money, man. Put this kid on a bag of chips. Put this kid on a bottle of pop. Figure it out. Get this kid an NIL deal. Fago Pop and Better Made Chips is Detroit. They're the greatest they are the greatest. Now let's represent Detroit. And right now, that's Antoine Davis, man. My man. Way to go. <laughs> let's jump into the NBA just for a minute here. Now, I saw a meme this week where a dad had a sign. He went to see the Warriors play in some city, and he drove like 600 miles or something to take his kid to see Steph Curry. His only chance to see Steph Curry. And Steph Curry was sitting out the game for load management. All these guys are sitting out all this load management. And you know if you've been following the show, I've been saying for years, there's an easy solution for this thing. You can only sit out home games. You can only sit out home games. You want to load manage and prepare for the playoffs. You don't get to screw the fans, uh, you know, in Charlotte because the team's not very good. And so we're just going to sit out and we still might win the game. And then nobody there gets to see any of the stars of the league. It's a big problem. It's a big problem that they're just now starting to address. That's been a problem of mine for a while. Hearing a lot of shows talking about it now. And I think the simple solution here is, you know how like they have the 10-day disabled list and the IR and all these other sports? I think they just need to create like a three-day LM list. You know, you're on the LM, the load management list, right? If you want to sit out a home game, that's fine. You can sit out a home game. You can sit out a home game whenever you want. If you want to sit out a game on the road and you're not injured, then you got to be put on the three-day LM and you're out for three games, and that could affect your team. But I think that's the way that you handle this. You give them a three-day mandatory sit-out if they want to sit out on a road game and they're not injured. 
And that's just what I mean. There has to be something. We got to do something because this can't continue like this. And one more big congratulations to the Detroit Lions, man. Aiden Hutchinson, we all know it was a finalist for Rookie of the Year. But Aiden Hutchinson and your man Rodrigo, Big Malcolm, both those guys voted to the NFL All-Rookie Team. Boom. That is really one of the reasons I love this team right now, man. You score a guy like Rodrigo in the late rounds. These guys know how to draft. I'm excited for what's coming. All right, guys, it's time to welcome our regular guests this time of year. The fellas are back. We're going to break down these games for you right here, man. All right, well, hey, guys, man, welcome back to the show. Uh, we have a change in the leaderboard after some monster picks last week. Andy St. Clair now in the lead, 31 points. I'm bringing up the second place, 30 points. Uh, Anthony in the cellar right now at 27, but not really the center of the cellar because this weekend, guys, these spreads mean nothing, right? I mean, every one of them is under three points. So yeah. this weekend, you're either you're clipping a zero or you're getting some points. So it's anybody's game, right? Absolutely. You know, I, again, the, I, I even though I'm in the lead, I know we talked about it last week, but we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go through all the scores from the last two years because now that I see I can lead, I see I can lead. I didn't know I could lead, but now that I've been here. I'm thinking maybe now I'm, I'm building up even more than I probably won two years ago. <laughs> I Well, I listen, I didn't go back and look, but I think I'm, I'm pretty sure two years ago is not the one you want to audit. Oh, I think okay. you were one year. way in the cellar two oh, okay. years ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> Last year's the years, one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it was pretty bad the first year, but we all were, except Anthony. He was just clicking sixes like bang, 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 and it was over like in the divisional round. We couldn't catch him. Oh, great. Well, it's good to be in the lead. I'll, I'll be here briefly. Next week, you guys will have me passed, I'm sure. Hey, any takeaways from this last weekend's games? You know what I mean? Like, of course, Mahomes getting hurt is one, but I'm sure, you know, we'll get into that one. But what about that Cincy Buffalo game, man? I thought I thought the Bills were bad. I thought the Bills were uh, not coached very well. Uh, the Bills look like the team that didn't know how to play in the snow. Uh, the Bills need a running back. Um, you know, the Bills have kind of turned into the AFC version of Green Bay, which is they put together a pretty good regular season. Everybody's like, hey, here's the time. You know, and then they don't kind of come through. I think last year's Bills team was the one that should have won the Super Bowl or had the best shot. This year's team wasn't that good. Uh, I think that that's kind of the that was my takeaway from the Bills. Yeah, I mean, I was on the I was on the Bengals. I didn't think they'd get it that good, but I was still had them cover him and their points and everything else. But they play. I mean, Mahomes plays the best kind of playground hero ball. Like it doesn't even seem like that when he has it when he has to make something happen. But, like, the Bills do that as well, except that's taken away with the snow. And like you said, no running back. No one's afraid Singletary Cook's going to break one. No. And then also I have a theory, like, Diggs has always rubbed me a little bit along wrong way from his mouthpiece constantly hanging out to trying to get his way out of the Vikings because he wasn't getting the ball thrown to as much. I don't – has there ever been a team that succeeded where a receiver was outspoken about just not getting the ball? Not not winning, but not getting the ball. Has a team ever actually – I say I think back to what, the Eagles with T.O. when he played on a broken leg and they almost yeah. won it. But, I mean, he played. He complained, oh, no. but he also – like that sideline of digs going to, to – but, but Irvin – Irvin just had a really good team. But really he had Emmett. Good. They had the best line. They had – they had um, what was his name? Um, 
who was the guy that took back two picks? What's his name? The safety. Woodson? Oh, yeah, he was Super Bowl MVP. He was yeah, MVP. that one Woodson, year. Yeah. Like, all those guys. But they had a better team. But I just – when Diggs starts complaining about the ball, it's like, that just does no one any good. And they I'll fell say. apart. They were out coached. Yeah. They were playing normal football in terrible snow while the while the Bengals were, were, were just gashing them here and there, little chunks here and there. Yep. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, the, the other thing that made me think of, too, is like, not even Diggs, like – but, the, you know, the other receivers for the Bills weren't great this year, ultimately. Like, McKenzie, Gabe Davis, like, fine. Davis you know, would but, have, like, a game every three games. Yeah, He'd break right, out for, like, games. 150. Yeah. Those yeah. guys weren't great. So then everybody was like, well, let's just double digs, you know, like, and we'll yeah. see what happens. And and Dawson Knox was is fine, but, you know, he's yeah. fine. And then the running backs were bad. So, you know, taking digs out of, it seems like kind of like a basic game NFL game plan when you're playing the Bills. I also thought Josh Allen should have ran the ball more. I'm like, why isn't Josh Allen running the ball more? He they had him bottled up. They had him bottled up with their defensive fronts, what they were doing. Like they were looking it, it seemed to me that like they had watched a lot of film and were looking at how the Bengals will stunt to try to make a quarterback think he's got a lane and then spy that lane. And yeah. a lot of the time during the game, it looked like they were just straight gap rushing. Because yeah. there's a couple times that you saw Allen, especially late in the game. I think I texted you and I was like, he just he wanted to run immediately right there and then had to stop and back up and was like, oh shit. And then he was screwed because he didn't go through any reads. And it happened a couple times in the game. He'd take a couple hard steps, like, oh, here's my gap. They're giving it to me. But then they were just kind of in regular rush mode. And he was like, Oh shit, I'm trapped. And he backed yeah. out. Yeah, they got they gotta get a running back. That they gotta help in some way. Like what whoever. I mean, get one of free agency. Or draft the dude from Texas. Draft Bijan Robinson. Like, just do it. Just bite yeah. the bullet. Hope to God he's good. Like, something to take a little pressure to open up the the whole game for the Bills. Yeah, they got to be able to. Listen, here's the bottom line, too. If you're going to have an open-air stadium in the cold and you want to yeah. make a Super Bowl run, you better be able to run the goddamn ball. Yeah. That's a good point. For sure. And I mean, they couldn't do it. And the Bengals, did, the Bengals looked like they were at home. Like, they were ready. They looked like the snow team. Yeah. Yep, they did. Well, the Bills didn't look as bad as the Giants, am I right? Oh, my God. Andy, the prophecy of the week. Give me a one-point win for the Giants wow. and the over. You know, Mikey, you got you, you to be careful because you might be walking into it, right? Because be careful. Because when that score is like Eagles 28, Giants 6, you're going to be like, oh, my God. My teasers are in trouble, and I'm in big-time trouble. Careful, Mikey, you're walking right into that one, and you nailed it. <laughs> yeah, you know, we get a little lucky. That You know, the Giants are, you know, da Daniel, Danny Dimes. I, look, I like Danny Dimes. I think he's fine, but, like, no way. Not I'm really. not, you're never putting money on Danny Dimes when the spread's over, like, four points. I'm like, no, thank you. Not yeah, for me. It didn't go well. <laughs> but you guys were both on the Eagles. Uh, I was the only moron on the Giants, and I and I said it. It was a sentimental pick. I just wanted to see him win, but that didn't go well at all. They hit their uh, they they peaked the week before. You can say they, you know, it's the fight, but they still they made the playoffs first year with Dable. I think Dimes got himself, you know, extended in the fans' eyes. You know, he doesn't have Barkley. This is he didn't, you know, his first kind of year back. Verita barely plays when Barkley's there, so if they can get another back and maybe one you know, one receiver that can stretch the field. What do you have? Hodgins come on late in the year. Yeah. His tight end broke his eyeball for half the yeah. season or whatever happened Bellinger. to Bellinger. Poor guy. Yeah. yeah. 
And then yeah. you had like, you know, all the all the twos and threes kept they had some big time drops in some of these bigger games. But, you know, they were the one team, the unknown that didn't putter out. And I think that's respectable. Like Jets, they puttered out. Commanders, yeah. they they kind of ended up, you know, puttering out these teams that came out of nowhere. I mean, even the Dolphins kind of I mean, they made it, but like yeah. they they were looking like AFC East champ making it earlier in the year. So I'm glad the Giants made it. I think they're on their way up. Dimes. D Jones is always going to be a question mark, no matter yeah. what. He just is, unfortunately, through fans' I mean, eyes and the coaches. I like I like Dayball, but I gotta say, I thought Dayball was terrible against the Eagles. Like, dude was punting. Like, I I would, I mean, I was like, are we sure that dude's good? That was my main question after that game. Like, it wasn't even, it wasn't that it wasn't close. It was never close. Like, as soon as Eagles scored yeah. a touchdown. I was like, this is over. I, I I was watching it with a friend over here in my neighborhood, and I said, let the romp begin at 7 nothing because I was like, they're, they're just not stopping them. There's nothing is happening here for the Giants. Yeah, he got he got himself right into the point early in the game where, as a coach, you got to decide, I got to buckle down and manage this thing just right if we're going to get a comeback, or I got to make the decision that we got to start gunslinging and just start going for it. And he made the wrong choice. Like well, you said, he was punting, trying to manage clock, trying to, and it was like, my man, they're scoring at will. This isn't trying to fight your way back in. You need to start taking shots at the end zone. You're out of it. You knew it was over when it was seven zero, Eagles seven zero, and it was like fourth and eight or fourth and seven from like their forty five or the Eagles forty five, and they went for it. I was like, oh, this is over. Yeah. This is straight up over. Dayball knows we cannot keep up. Like yep. he went for it, they didn't get it. Eagles scored, and I was like, it's it's this is a destroying game right here. They ran away with it. Well, I know Giants fans. They're going to be fine with probably keeping Daniel Jones now, but I know they are hoping that the front office doesn't do a Dallas Cowboys move and panic and give $40 million to a guy that's a middle of the pack quarterback. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, he choked it hard, hard choked it. Dak, you know, I am, I'm, look, I was on the, I bet the, I did, I did say bet San Francisco. And then I, I, I have to admit in real life, I buckled and I bet Dallas. <laughs> so, so having said that, let, let me say, I, when that game was over, it was when Pollard got hurt, right? I believe yeah. if Pollard stayed in the game, I think Dallas is either going to cover and lose by three or just straight up win. Because once once Pollard went out, the Cowboys got five first downs the rest of the game, five. Because yeah. Elliott is running just straight up the middle, and you can't do that. You that That's something you can't do against the 49ers, right? Uh, also, you can't really run against the 49ers in general, no. but – uh, but once Pollard went out, I literally Cowboys have two playmakers, Pollard and Lamb. And and there's the only real way from them to make any movements is like, you know, Lamb's got to catch a few balls and Pollard scampers. You kind of open each other up. When Pollard was gone, game over. Yeah. It and and listen, I'm gonna point out something about Dak that was driving me crazy the whole game. My man has no idea on how to put any kind of touch on the ball on a five to six yard route. I mean, I kept listening to the announcers being like, oh, they're not catching us ricocheting off of the receiver. And the other guys are getting it because my man's ripping a rocket because he made the wrong read and he's trying to split it between two defenders. And he's putting a missile on that guy from five yards away when he's not even got his head around yet. Yeah. I'm like, he's just bad, man. Yeah. I, you know, he's pretty good. I don't mean he's bad. He's pretty, he's a middle of the pack quarterback. He's a good quarterback. He ain't yeah, a $40 but million dollar quarterback. Not the money and not the publicity. No, right. you know, like switch him and switch him and Daniel Jones. You think right. Daniel Jones is putting up a better game? Yeah, I would say maybe. You know, what about Cousins? 
If it ain't prime time, I'd take Cousins over both those. Guys. Not in Minnesota, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm on, uh, I'm on exhausted of Cowboys and Dak. I was good to see them go down, but yeah, Lamb showed up, Pollard. But and then what? A, last play? Can we talk about what the plan? Have they come out and said what the plan was? Like what the execution for that play was supposed to be? I have no idea. It looked terrible. I mean, about- the whole, the whole last bit, Anthony, when they were had the ball, Dak just about takes a safety. Let's that yeah. fucking dude rock him. The only reason he didn't get tackled is because that guy, the NFL rules was like, oh my God, I'm going to get a penalty here or something, you know? So he just held up and hit him and stopped. Mm-hmm. Then on the next play, Schultz can't keep two feet inbounds and it wasn't even hard. I mean, there's a regular yeah. catch and run out of bounds. He can't get a foot down. I mean, it just looked like a circus, man. Schultz didn't seem like he, I thought Schultz thought there was another quarter of football. I think he was like, <laughs> We got five quarters in the playoffs, baby. <laughs> Just give me like, an extra one. Especially with the Cowboys. They want the Cowboys. Win. We got an extra quarter. Like I, he was like nonchalanting everything. I was like, yeah. buddy, there is like a 45 seconds left in the game, man. Yeah. Run hard out of bounds. Like well, run out of bounds. It still boggles my mind when there's teams that you like, I mean, they didn't do it, but you get a ball. So you get like a catch a little flare out, right? And you're in the two minute drill and nine times. I know it's instinctual. But it's like these guys just cut back inside. And then th- that literally ends the ball game. Then yeah. if they get down in the middle of the field, they don't only have – I've seen what maybe a quarter of the teams do it. They run the ball. They put it on the hash. They wait for the for the refs to come and spot it. And they, like, do the work and everyone's sprinting. But then you see these guys in the one-minute, two-minute drill that are just, like, jogging back, getting the play. It's, yep. it's on the pro level. That just boggles my mind, like – the sideline should be like almost out of it at that point. The coach can maybe make something, but it's that, that's on the quarterback. Like get to the line, yep. get this. Like here's the two plays we're going to have called. It's as simple as here's play one, two, and three. I'll call one out. Like it turns into that. You just have to hustle. You got to have a I backup mean, play ready. Yeah. I stand by it. Half of these games could be won by a guy playing Madden, uh, yeah. a kid in a kid in New Mexico sitting I mean, there playing yeah. Madden. You're nailing it. Like last I, year's the same way they exited the playoffs, right? They make the play to get damn near in the field goal range and they can't line up to spike the ball with nine seconds left. They couldn't line up to spike it. I'm like, just oh can't, my God. Oh, Jeff Saturday this year. How about LaFleur last year when the Packers kicked it with right. 40 seconds left? Yeah. Down eight. That yeah. was the plan. <laughs> just what yep. do you do it? I, I don't know. I just don't know, man. And sometimes I don't know if it's analytics taking over and, you guys know how I feel about analytics. It is, I hate it. I hate it. And then they get their little printout sheet from the office upstairs that says, we ran this scenario on a computer 80 times, and this comes through 71.2. So try that because they got a 70%. Kiss my ass. Get a feel for the game. Know what's going on in the moment and make a call. There, you know? there is the rule. Like, there is something that I will give. I'm sitting here bagging on them, but I will give them a benefit of the doubt. Like, I, coaches and if you're in the box – coaching you don't have access to like what the fans are watching mm-hmm. i don't believe right like yeah. you might have it they all 22 right. but not with like the clock on it i don't i don't believe you you can't actually watch the instant replays right unless you see it on the scoreboard right. it's something weird like they don't have as much access as we do actually yeah, so that that there are rules, rules. Yeah. but i also think that real stupid like i guess i get it but why not why can't they know 
with I, I don't know whatever that's a whole other tangent like you it i is, don't know what i'm saying i'm definitely have a point somewhere in this ramble i just no, don't know i think you're do. right there's a lot of rules on what you can and can't I don't see know in, in real are. time yeah. they don't get to look at that play 15 times they in real time they got a guy that gets to look at it twice and then he's got to radio the guy to booth and say hey man radio down to throw the flag i think this is us and it's right. a little more complicated it is but anyway you're right about what you were saying though those guys don't have it uh, as in real time as we do but they get paid a lot of money to know <laughs> well, listen, this weekend, um, again, back to the point, uh, these spreads, which is what they should be, right? I mean, this is what we want here, right? As gamblers, we don't. But as football fans, the best teams are in, as you stated, Anthony, before, the best four teams are in, and you're going to have these low spreads like this. So uh, first game, 49ers at Eagles. Now, Andy, before you said, uh, you know, Niners are probably a one-point favorite coming into the game, and as soon as this went up, they were. But by the time we're ready to do this right now, we got the Eagles laying two and a half points and the over under is 46. So I'll let you take off with it, Andy. Um, great. You know, I, look, I, I, this game's a hard one, you know, because, I, you know, I like, I, I want to take the Eagles and I want to take the two and a half. But I, I feel like, I, and I feel like this with both games. I feel like every, nobody's. I'm going to go on an island and take San Francisco and 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 the plus two and a half because I believe in Brocktober, and that's that's my main thing right now. Brocktober, it will go for another two or three weeks. Look, I think what's going to happen, I, and I said it last week in, in uh, the Dallas game, and I, and I think it again. We look to the homeless man's San Francisco. And that is Washington. Once again, went into Philadelphia, and the homeless man, San Francisco, did what they what they did. They have a they had a quarterback. They had uh, Heineke, who is absolutely a, a clone of Brock Purdy right now. Right? They they had two running backs. They had uh, Robinson and Gates. Right? Robinson ran for like ninety yards. Gates ran for like forty five. They had McLaurin, who who got like a buck twenty eight receiving. And then they had a bunch of other dudes who caught the ball. That That is almost the exact – and they played defense and they slowed Philadelphia down, right? And that is the exact same thing I think I think that San Francisco is going to do. They are going to run McCaffrey and Mitchell. They are going to let Debo go crazy. Uh, and, and I and I think that that is how San Francisco is going to win. And, I, and I, I think that is what they're hoping for. You know, on the other side of it, I will say, like, here are, here are a few things. San Francisco's played a West Coast offense basically twice this year. And Philly kind of runs that ultimately. They kind of run a West Coast offense. And the two times San Francisco played it, once was Kansas City, who dropped like 44 on them. The other time was against the Raiders, like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, who dropped 34 on them, right? So Philly's going to do all this movement. They're going to do all this. They're going to get those linebackers out of the box. They're going to make... They're going to do little run. The running backs are going to catch Sanders, Scott, you know, they're all, they're all going to float on the outside. They're not going to, they're not going to run right. Philly, one of the best running teams in a long time. I just think San Francisco is going to slow that down. So they're, they're going to spread San Francisco out, force them to cover the entire field. It's the only way to beat San Francisco, which is why, like what I was saying earlier, it was like, once the Cowboys lost Pollard the game was over. Could couldn't Cowboys couldn't spread the field in San Francisco. Pollard can't. Nobody else could. So that is Philly's key, in my opinion, to winning, right? Is that, that sort of thing. They, they have to, they have to spread them out and, and that's how they will win. So um, I, I just think I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to ride with the defense in the end, right? Like I'm not, I'm kind of an offense over defense guy. 
but right at the last minute or two of a game, defense needs to be good. Just yeah. one time. And that you just need a one time. Like the final score can be, you know, 52 to 49. I just need that one stop. And if I'm going for one stop, one, I'm going to take San Francisco. So my my choices, you know, and, you know, I brought you guys some stats. Now I have more Kansas City stats, but whatever. Okay. I'll, I'll get you a few stats uh, uh, that I – that I that I seem to have. Uh, okay, so you know the the in Brock Purdy games, right? Where he starts the game, uh, the over. If you count the Miami game, that's eight games. If you don't count the Miami game, that's seven games. Okay, because he came in the Miami game. The over is six and two. Okay, he he hmm. drops. He brings the over. The Eagles this year is overs, and and then by the way, there's some pretty high numbers, right? The Eagles. It's not like the Eagles. It's not like thirty eight, right? No, the they Eagles, score, right? The Eagles are 10 and seven on the over, but four of the last five games for the Eagles have been on the under. They went on the under last week, right? They got to a huge lead, kind of what they do. They, they jump on you in the first half and then they just kind of hang on is ultimately is what the Eagles tend to do. Um, so anyway, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm going to go with San Francisco plus two and a half, by the way, if you're real betting this by the half point, get it up to three, just for do sure. it. Don't, don't mess around. Um, I'm going to take the over in that game and and I'll take San Francisco to win. I think this game's going to be very similar to Raiders San Francisco. Remember that Stidham game where everybody's like, "Hey, bench car and you're like, "This 49ers going to beat the shit out of them." And then Stidham came in, you're like, "Hey man, he's pretty good." And 37-34 right. was the final score. So, uh, you know, I I I mean, I I think it goes uh, last thing I'll say and I'm sorry I'm taking up so much time. I think the last thing I'll say is is that common sense says if you're taking San Francisco, which I am, to take the under and and hope San Francisco slows them down that way. I, I just don't think that's the way the game's going to go. I think Purdy's going to open it up. Purdy is not he hasn't thrown an interception in like 80 passes. Like like I'm not that worried about Purdy. Like He's he's got two running backs. He's got Kittle. He's got Debo. He's got Ayuk. He's fine. Like he'll be fine. He's going to be the starting quarterback of the 49ers next year. Like he's going to be fine. He's a million yeah. a year for the next two years. They are going to ride with Purdy. Yeah. So so he's going to be given the keys to the castle. And this is the game. He's played on the road twice, twice, and uh, and he once was in Seattle, and the other was the Raiders. So give me Purdy. Yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, you and I are kind of lined up on this thing. I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm going to give you guys a a stat right here on my own. San Francisco's won 12 straight games, 12 straight games, right? If they win this one to get to the Super Bowl, that makes 13 in a row, okay? Only the undefeated 72 Dolphins would have a better winning streak heading into the Super Bowl. They would only the 72 perfect Dolphins would have a better run going to the Super Bowl. And that's crazy, right? That's crazy. It's unlikely. But I'm well, going to tell you Pats, why I think it's likely. The Pats, that undefeated Pats team lost to the Giants. Yep. yep, you're right. The undefeated Pats team as well. So those two two of the greatest teams ever, right? Yep. So to get to get that's a crazy run. But here's why I think it's going to be likely. Both both defenses are capable of playing shutdown ball. And the Eagles lead the league in pressures and sacks, right? Now, the only way to break through on those two defenses with playmakers and the 49ers simply got more of them, man. They got Ayuk, they got Debo, they got McCaffrey, they got Kittles, okay? Sure, the Eagles, the Eagles got Brown and they got Sanders. They had great seasons. Hurts is Hurts, and he's pretty good too. But you see the difference between those guys, you know what I mean? Now, the last time Hurts and Purdy faced off, November 9th, 2019, Oklahoma against Iowa State, right? Purdy and the Cyclones 
heavy dogs at five and four Sooners trying to get into the college football playoffs at eight and one. And they got a quarterback Jalen hurts. He's front runner for the Heisman at the time. Here's the stat line from that game. Okay. Hurts 18 of 26, 273 yards, three touchdowns through the air, ran it 22 times for 68 yards and two TDs. Purdy 19 of 30, 282 yards, five touchdowns through the air, ran it 15 times for 55 yards and ran in for a TD. Now, Purdy goes all the way down the field at the end of the game here, scores with 24 seconds left in Norman, and Iowa State and the Cyclones decide to go for two to try to pull the upset. They don't get it. It fails. Hurts in Oklahoma escape 42 to 41. And I would tell you, Purdy wasn't nervous then. I'm going to tell you, I don't think Purdy is nervous now because he's pretty good. So I say, Eagles Nation, what are you going to do when Debo shows up on his bike and asks you what you got on my 40, homie? Give me the 49ers all the way, and I'm going to take them 27-23 also on the over, Andy. Here comes the Eagles. Here it all comes. All right. My Eagles fly. Well, this is going to decide. <laughs> all right, so I have a couple things. One, I absolutely despise any – this quarterback beat this quarterback. Manning beat Brady. They never play. Has nothing to do with anything. You can deconstruct that any way you want. Brock Purdy was in his like 700th start for Iowa State. Jalen Hurts was a transfer student at Oklahoma, probably in his 10th or 11th game. You could go sure. back and forth sure. on why that works and why that. I mean, you go. Remember, oh, Baker Mayfield had this shootout with Patrick Mahomes. They both threw for 9,000 yards, and then after that, doesn't mean anything now. I'm going to go on that, too. Agreed. Here's my other theory. The Eagles have had more time to prepare for Brock Purdy than the Niners have time to prepare for Jalen Hurts. Now, I'll explain. Eagles played who? Their last week. In the playoffs, played Giants. The week before, they played the Giants. Not too much scouting had to be done, so they can start already looking ahead during that week of prep for the Giants because they're not thinking the Giants are going to put in anything new, which they didn't. Meanwhile, the Niners can't overlook the Cowboys, so they're not looking too far ahead. So I'm thinking they have another full week, theoretically, than the than the uh, Niners do to prep for this game. Brocktober's got to hit a wall at some point. I think my boy oh. Jonathan Gannon is going to do that uh, um, because at the end of the day, all the I do say the Niners have the weapons. Problem is there's only one football. The most athletic guy on the Philadelphia Eagles has the football in his hands every single play. He wasn't even 100% last week, and they found other ways to, to utilize him. I think that's going to be big, and I think A.J. Brown has – he's due. He's kind of had some slow games where he's getting targets but not really catching the ball. So they're going to Devontae. They're going to Sanders. They're even turning to Scott. And uh, Godair's turned in a couple good games recently. <laughs> and, again, you guys know this. I said it last week. I'm riding the Eagles – uh, me, Stallone, whoever else is cheering for Philly these days. I'm going Eagles. They're going to obviously cover at two and a half. I am going to stick with you guys, though, and go the over. That's kind of been my downfall. But I do think at the end of the day, a powerful offense, um, both like, and again, this is a cool game because it's the two best defenses, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's going to Andy's point. That you're, they're begging you to take the under because the two best defenses. But I think there's yeah. too many weapons. And too much innovation. I mean, Shanahan and Sirianni, like, too young. They're not coaches that aren't afraid to do stuff differently and try mm -hmm. things that work for their players. Like, that's why Debo's a hybrid. Because it's like, hey, I need to give him the ball. He's not just a receiver. Kittle's finally back in the game. But I th I'm going with the Eagles just because I think they've had more time to prep. And I said it last week, but I, I picked the Niners last week. But at some point, the, 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 the wheels got to fall off the train for Brock. And I went to high school with a guy named Dan Purdy, so that's who I think of every time I think of Brock Purdy. So that's just a bias. <laughs> yeah, 
Guys, I got to uh, – I'm sorry, Anthony, to cut you off. I do have a fun – Now it's done. I have a fun rookie quarterback set. There's been four quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks, that have gotten to the conference final. Can you name them? And you don't have to. I can name them for you. Wait, wait. Well, I got you. One's Roethlisberger. That one yes. I know. Yeah, Roethlisberger. Um, yeah. Uh, Brady? No. Was that his second no, year? No, no. That was his second year. Um, one's a backup for the New York Jets. The Jets. Sanchez? No. Oh, was no. Sanchez is one of them, but is one. He? So that's two. The other was Joe Flacco. And the third, or the fourth one, is Sean King. Those oh, were the Sean four. King. Those Sean the King? Out of two games. the record. Guess the record straight up in the conference title game. 0 and 4. 0 and 4. Yeah. Against the spread, guess the record. 0 and 4. 1 and 3. <laughs> Sean King, baby. He covered. Oh, yeah. 11 6. Wait, Roethlisberger went to the Super Bowls first year. No, that's right. They lost. They lost to the Pats because that was the year the, the Steelers were the number one team in the NFL. They were like 15 and 1. Yeah, they're like, yeah. They're yeah. going to win it all. Pats came in. To three rivers at that time and beat them. What year beat was Flacco? How many years before Roethlisberger was he? Check like it one? out. So, so I say this to say, like the the if That's you're following true. that trend, you know, Purdy, then I'm good. Then I'm on it. Purdy's in some trouble. You know, I will say that the last thing about Hurts, he looked still didn't he looked fine. But he didn't look like he wanted to get hit. And San Francisco is going to hit him. Like when that dude got out of bounds, he was like tiptoeing quickly out of bounds. Like no 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 don't hit me. And San Francisco, that's not going to fly with the 49ers defense. Like, some dude's just going to lick him and be like, sorry, that's 15 yards. Like, it's going to happen. Yeah, and they're going to take it. But listen, I I agree with you on that. But I'm going to tell you what, Anthony, you got me thinking. You made some good points, man. (laughs) You made some real good points. You got me thinking over here, too. I'm like. I'm in last place, though, so what do I know? Well, you made the right play then. You're you're opposite both of us, and yep. you know, so it but could it's, be it's also good. smart though because that West Coast offense does seem to throw these 49ers for a little bit of a loop. Yeah, it does the Raiders yeah. and the Chiefs are huge shining lights of like, and Philly runs a variation of that, and that 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 will could be big time trouble. I do. Yeah. Have, I think I think um, Sanders and I think Boston Scott are gonna are gonna touch the ball more than they usually do because Sanders kind of sneaky. He almost had a hundred yards last week, and you wouldn't even realize it. I think I think they're gonna do a lot of RPOs, and I think a lot of it's gonna go to the running backs because because uh-huh. like you just said, Hertz is either tiptoeing out or that's that's what the defense is thinking is gonna be their third option on that play. Yeah, yeah. That's so I, that's take. my that's my kind of out there prediction. Yep. That's a good take. I like that. I mean, if I was coordinating offense, I know you and I are both on the defensive side. You got we're defensive guys, but like if I was, that's that's a good offensive strategy, I think, man. Hey, you're all over it this weekend. I'm gonna tell you that right now. <laughs> Right, you're gonna be in the lead going into the Super Bowl. Yeah, we're just switching the prophecy hat this week, maybe from Andy to you, right? Yeah, you're gonna be in the lead. <laughs> All right. Well, heading into the last game, I'll switch it up. I'll give mine first this time, so you guys can give yours uh, after. And uh, we got Cincinnati at Kansas City, right? And Cincinnati is laying two points right now. The over under forty six and a half, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Andy, I'm gonna let you jump in for a minute here. What I'm gonna tell you, home dog. Mahomes is a home dog yeah now no, you know i, I enjoy say, it i, I love you enjoy dog. it but i think this is where you're going to tell us here's where the public betters have affected the line or no uh i i don't think it's public betters i think the line opened what the game was over was chiefs minus three Bengals plus three the over under i think opened up like at 51 52 and i think some for like 30 seconds some professional group threw down gobs gobs of money on the Bengals plus three and it was such, I think it was, my opinion is, it was a horrible line, a horrible line to start. Yeah. And it, it dropped immediately. That's why I think the the points have, 
they've it's moved like five point six points in like forty eight hours. It's crazy. So I just think it was a bad line by Vegas. Okay, all right, could be just bad line by them. But I'm going to tell you this. Here's what I'll say: best quarterback in the league, right? Possibly of his generation. Plus disrespect. No, I'm talking about Mahomes. Talking about Mahomes. He's the best quarterback in the league, probably best of his generation, right? You add a little disrespect, sprinkle some points on top, and you can give me that all day long. Mahomes is healthy. The last two times these teams have faced each other, both games ended 27-24. We know what happened in the playoffs last year. Overtime, comeback, 27-24 Bengals, right? All right, listen. I think the line change had a lot more to do with maybe Vegas knows a little bit more about that ankle than we do. Okay. Since he defends the run really, really well, and they've been defending it better as of late and Casey's going to need to control the ball to win this game. I think, right. Okay. This game to me is going to come down to the battle of first down plays. You got to get yards on first down so that you can keep drives alive and keep that ticker ticking, right? Too many punts early by Kansas City, and you're going to let the Bengals on the field too much, get in rhythm. They're going to get rolling, and they're going to they're going to kill you, right? On the contrary, if the Bengals punt too many times early, you're going to let Mahomes stay on the field longer, and that ankle's going to get loose. That ankle's going to stay warm, and he's going to get comfortable. You want that ankle stiffening up in that cold weather on the sideline on long drives, right? But I think the difference maker here is going to be Punchenko. All right. He's got the ability to grind it out. He's also a burner. He can burn you with some speed. And stay with me now. The shadows of the Bengals clip party defensive run back for a score that propelled them into the divisional round will come around to get even with them. Mahomes gets the ball on the last drive. It's hail to the chief. This time the chiefs have 27 and who they going to only get 24. I'm going to take the chiefs. And the points and the over. Anthony, go ahead and take the big. All right. Okay. And now, and then I'll be the <laughs> decider. All right. I've said it. I can't go back on it now. So, there's two things with Mahomes. His ankle, he's someone, you guys played sports. You know, there's people that get hurt and stay hurt and don't want it. Mahomes is playing. I don't care what he's doing. He, he will play. He will also be just as good as he is without the ankle, May, just in a different way. They'll keep him in the pocket. They'll do quick reads. They'll play to what needs to work for him to stay healthy. And I think they've proven now last year's, or excuse me, two year ago playoffs, the 96 yard drive from this past week, they got a pretty suitable backup. I almost want to say Matt Moore every single time. That's how interchangeable Henne is to me, but they have a backup that can come in. If he's like, Hey, I need to take a series off and prove that that's not going to be the end of the game. Pacheco, like you said, they've been feeding him the ball more every week. He was splitting a little bit with McKinnon, and McKinnon's more like a, a bigger bust, right? I'm either getting up something big or I'm not getting anything, but, but Pacheco's turned into an every down back, and I think that's big there, but I don't see them slowing up. The problem is going to, I feel, is on their defense, all right? They were one Agnew, crazy, horrible catch slash fumble away at the two-yard line from going toe-to-toe with the Jaguars at home to a team that barely squeaked in the playoffs with a winning record, right? They were that fumble. I mean, they, they score right then and there and they, and the Jaguars then still got the ball back and still kind of had a shot. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the defense for the chiefs. That's going to hold them up. Not their offense. Kelsey he'll make up plays in the huddle and get open as much as it bugs me as someone that's not cheering for the chiefs. He's from Cleveland though. So got to come somewhat cheer from <laughs> that. That will happen. And they have weapons. They're just not the big name weapons like MVS caught touchdown last week. Juju will show up. The guys don't quit. Gray Watson Mahomes will get them the ball. Having said that the Bengals 
put a lid on the Buffalo Bills, who everyone said was going to win it all this year. They, I know it was snowing. I know it was this, but the Bengals put up points and the Buffalo Bills did not. Versus a quarterback that arguably, I don't think so, but could be in the conversation of being a different type of good than, say, Patrick Mahomes. And they put the kibosh on him. Eli Apple's finally, after years and years, getting laughed out of his towns, is yeah. finally getting the last laugh on a lot of people. And I just think the Bengals and Joe Burrow and their left to right outside of their line, which does not seem to be a factor right now, they're healthy with their skill guys. I mean, Higgins and Boyd haven't done anything the past two weeks, and they're rolling, right? Mixon had a big week. Even Pirine played pretty good. Jamar Chase is going to get, or he's going to get his stuff regardless. But the biggest point I think I'm trying to make is that the defense, they shut down the Bills while the Chiefs' defense did not shut down the Jaguars. I think that's the difference. But I am going to take, uh, I think something you just said, Mike, you just need that one stop. And I think that is going to come down on the Bengals' side at some point. So I am rolling with the over, but I'm taking Bengals. Oh, I'm taking the Bengals with the two and a half, obviously. Um, and then I'm taking them to win it. All right. All right. That and line is dumb. It's like it, you win by one or nothing. It's just, right. Just if it's 21 20, somebody breaks yeah. on it. Now, here we go. We're for some fun points and facts. Let's have them. Okay. Oh, oh, sorry. Before you start, Andy, and you, you, something you said last week, the Chiefs at home aren't good at covering, right? Isn't that what you don't said cover. last week? The big spread. No, yeah, they, they don't, don't cover. cover. The big spread. They don't cover. I mean, they they don't cover, spread, but still, that's in my mind too. So I'm like, okay. Well, right. they're they're a dog now, so like now they yeah, now it doesn't count. You know what I'm saying? Those big seven points or above spreads, they don't cover. Ah. If you know, so that's why I'm like, it's the Jags last week was about the easiest money you could have outside of the under of that San Francisco game, because I'm like they, the Cowboy or the the Chiefs are gonna like win by four, six. Like they're just gonna show enough. They're just gonna like do enough. That's what they do. All year. Now, if I were to ask you guys, how many times in the playoffs under the Joe Burrow led Bengals have they scored over 30 points? What would your answer be? Zero. How many games have they played? Six. I'd say two or three. I don't know. Okay. Uh, zero is the answer. If I said yeah. how many times they scored 28 or more, what would your answer be? Because <laughs> the answer is zero. Yeah, the the answer is still zero. <laughs> Here's what Burrow's do. done is six games. 26, 19, 27, 20. They lost in the Super Bowl. 24, and last week, 27, right? Okay. So uh, here's what Kansas City's done in the Mahomes era. Now, different teams. You had, you had Hill. But here's the, in the 9-10 games. 31, 37, 51, 35, 31, 22, 38. They scored nine versus the Bucks and lost. 42, 42, 24, 27. Okay? So... The 22, by the way, is the 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 Mahomes game. I point out the 22 because that's the Mahomes game where he got hurt against the Browns and the Browns should have beat the Chiefs, right? Yeah. They that, that game, I don't know how. Hollywood still, Higgins, still mad at him. Uh, <laughs> so the over-under has you know, actually moved up a little bit. We're at 46 and a half. It's now at 47. So it seems like that is telling me, you know, I know for our contest, 46 and a half, it's telling me people are betting the over. Uh, you, can, you can kind of see where I'm leading everyone down to here. Uh, the total, by the way, guys, in Chiefs games this year, their average was 50.7. That's what the Chiefs averaged in all the the totals of all the games they played. But their total at Arrowhead, their total Arrowhead, 44.7. They they they're almost a touchdown. They score a touchdown less at home. <laughs> that's Pretty crazy. Good. Yeah, that's crazy. In the nine games where Kansas City was favored by seven or less, and there was nine of them. Uh, there were nine of them. 
the they're at the total average is 55.9 this would be one of those games could be right the total in Bengals games has gone over 47 two times in the last eight games <laughs> oh, man. twice twice uh Cincinnati six and0 against the spread as a dog or win favored by three or less this year six and0. The under in Cincinnati games this year so far is 11 and 7. The under in all their games. The okay. under in the Chiefs games is 8 and 9. Now, that's a little misleading because the under, you know, and the Chiefs are 5 and 11 against the spread. Little misleading because the under is always enormously high when the Chiefs play. And and the spread's high, right? Like, here's let me I'm going to just tell you like the Chiefs last 11 games, they were favored 9 and a half, 8 and a half, 12 and a half, 10 and a half, 14 and a half, 9 and a half, 2 and a half. That's the Bengals game. 16 and a half, five and a half, nine and a half, 14. That's their last 11 games. The Chiefs have been favored. They're not going to be good against the spread. Having uh, said yeah. all that. Yeah. I feel I'm like I'm hearing bells here, man. Here comes I'm immediately the on the under in this game. <laughs> the Undertaker. Bong. I, I, you know it's coming. The under is coming, right? Now, look, I, I love everybody who's like pushing Burrow, right? Burrow's played like barely into his basically second season and Burrow's awesome. I'm not saying Burrow's not. He's like, he's kind of like Montana Brady. Cool. Like he's got, the, he's got like, he looked good in the white, the Bengals white. I wish they had those. <laughs> they just look those the white. Sweet. He just looks good in the snow. And like, he's arrogant. Like if Mahomes was like, we would kill Mahomes. If he was like, my window is as long as I'm playing. But when Joe Burrow says it, everybody's like, he's the fucking coolest. <laughs> like if it was Mahomes, everybody'd be like, boo, you suck, man. <laughs> Because we know, we know he's the best quarterback, right? Now, now it, we thought it was going to be Mahomes, Allen, Burrow's kind of moving his way past Allen. Uh, I, I just think Burrow's fine, but what makes the Bengals really good is their defense. And and around the end of September, they lost DJ Reader at the D tackle for about six to eight weeks. And he came back. Uh, he came back around, I believe it was the Tennessee game or maybe the game, maybe the game before that. And so he DJ Reader goes out on September 25th against the Jets. He misses the Dolphins, the Ravens, the you know, he misses a bunch of easy games. But since he's been back, the Bengals have given up 16, 24, 10, 23, 18, 16. Like he's the guy. He's the important player on the defense who's who's slowing down the game. He's making it possible for the Bengals to kind of like put up these what I would call like 24 to 27s, like basic NFL points like they're not they're not dumping a lot of points on people they're not they're not just just putting out 45 17 barn burners uh but I I think he's the real key I I think he he is going to be the guy who if he slows down Mahomes and and what they do I I like a home dog I'm I'm not even I can separate my loyalty and the money I I want a home dog I want the under I want the Chiefs I I just think what's going to happen is I I think look this team is not as good I don't think it's last year's team, but I also don't think that the Chiefs are going to, I don't think the Bengals, I think a little bit caught them by surprise last year. And I just don't think, which is weird to say since they were in the AFC title game, hard to catch anybody by surprise. But I think, I've, I think I'm going to take the Chiefs. I, I'm, gosh, well, this is a tough one, but I think I'm going to take the Chiefs and I'm going to take the under the Chiefs to win. But yeah. I, I, you know, it, Mahomes, it, that first series we see Mahomes and he's like 55%. I mean, I'm going to live bet the Bengals till I'm blue in the face. (laughs) Well, listen, I'm going to tell you this. Taking that under, depending on what Anthony's going to do here, taking that under could keep you in the game 
even if you lose here. So let's see what Anthony says. Oh wait, did I? I'm taking the. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm taking the over. The over. Okay, I, yeah, you were you were on the over. All right. Yeah, I'm gotcha. taking. I'm taking Bengals. I don't care how much they're you know favored by. Give me it. And then, uh, yeah, I'm taking it. I don't know. It's hard. I mean, I've been proven wrong so many times. It's hard for me to take the under when you have. But then that the, that playoff. How many points have they scored in the playoff situation? That well, that's that's the thing. It's like that's you're crazy. Like, it's got to be the over, right? And you're like here here here's to take the under. Will this make you feel better? The Bengals have never scored over 28 points in a playoff game with Burrow. So if the final score is Bengals 27, Chiefs 17, 27-10, you're you the under hits. You know. Yeah. So, I'm going over. So we're it's, all it's gonna be a big difference in points this, by the end of this week. I gotta imagine Vegas makes their most money on over-unders because and football because it's like it's so hard to look at a game and be like 44. Like both of these teams just need to get like 21 points, man. And then somebody catch a field goal. 20 right. points a team, yeah, they're gonna do that. And they don't. <laughs> you know, well, why why won't the Chiefs slow it down with Mahomes hurt and like run Pacheco, McKinnon, little, little bubble screens, like I think they will if it works. If it works. Like, if the, you know, if the Bengals come out and be like, we don't care about anybody but Kelsey, you know, because they last week they proved like, oh, they were hitting him off the line. It didn't matter. He's three yards down the field. He's going to turn left to right and catch the ball. So if they do something like that again and double him and make Mahomes, you know, because Mahomes, as soon as he goes to his second read, he's he's on the move. And that's not a that's not a hit. That's just how he plays and how it works. So if you take away that first read, but then you take away his second move, which is him using his feet, I think that's when you're going to get in trouble. So I think it just depends on what the Bengals do. Sometimes I think tight ends. I think Kelsey for a long time has had kind of like Jimmy Graham with the Saints, where Jimmy Graham had these crazy numbers, and then you watch his routes. Is like, are people even like worried about him, or they're just like, we'll let him catch the ball. We're worried about the big play type stuff. That that always goes through my head when I see Kelsey have these giant days. I cannot just, disagree with you. Where these quarterbacks are so sometimes. arrogant. Yeah, they're like, like well, he's he'll be wide action. open in the middle of the field, and they'll show the overhead shot, and you'll be like, this guy's the most dangerous guy on their offense, and like he's in the middle of the field, and no one's within twenty yards of him. Well, it's kind of like the old basketball mentality. It was like, we're just going to triple team him. I don't care if the other guys score, you know, put down, put up 60. Like, we don't care. That's not going to beat us. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like that, that's, that always goes through my mind when I, when I watch the chiefs play. So I think like, cause you take Kelsey away, especially with a bum ankle. Yeah. He's a right or his left, by the way. It's his plant ankle. It's his right. It's his right. Yeah. It's a plant foot. Okay. Just trying to think because if you're yeah. running, that, yeah, that's the scary part too. Like that's why I, I, I mean, yeah, I think that over would hit last week on the Jags if Mahomes was healthy because probably was coming. And just from like an athlete's perspective, like they say high ankle sprain and they say this and all that, but like Collinsworth made a great point during the game, and I was thinking the exact same thing at the same time. Most times when you roll your ankle as an athlete, it's when you you roll it to the outside. You know what I mean? And then you get that pain from the ankle down across the top of your foot. And that's something you just manage and you can just play with. But if you've ever rolled it to the inside, that is a lot worse, man. It gets a lot more sore and filled up in that joint with fluid. And that is, that's tough to move around on. And that's what happened to him. So I don't know. He's going to play. He's going to get surgery after the season. Oh, he's going to play. He's going to play. By the way, completely unrelated, but I was talking to my brother the other day and I was like, Especially, like, don't you think Mahomes should pre- say he's rolling left, scrambling, 
Don't you think at some point he's going to throw it like an actual, he's done it before, but an actual dart lefty where he's actually practicing that because you're rolling to the left and you're getting chased just to get that six yard pass. Yeah. I guarantee you at some point in his career, that's, he just starts doing that and it's just going to be second nature. And that's going to be like a big wave of the next like level and what quarterbacks are going to do in the NFL. I don't disagree with you. I, I'm going to tell it's you this right completely now. unrelated, but I, I think of Mahomes no. only being able to pull that off now because he be tried it, it and failed. People will be like, oh, that was still awesome. He can do that. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up too, because that is another thing that burns me every week and has burned me for years. I don't understand when you see the play where the quarterback's rolling out to the left to, to avoid pressure, right? And the guy's right on him and he just can't throw it away. Like happened to Daniel Jones like four times this weekend. He's trying to get away left and he just can't get away from that guy and he can't get his arm up to throw the ball away even. So he's got to take the sack. I'm like, these guys are phenomenal athletes. At what point are they teaching the quarterback in that situation? Just put the ball in your left hand and flip it out of bounds. It's yeah. a pass, especially right. if they're running, they already have two hands on it. Yeah. You, you know? And if you can't get that right arm up, cause that guy's right there and you're afraid you're going to fumble at your waist, you put it right in your left hand, flip it out of bounds and it's over. It's, it's I don't understand why they don't do it. I don't understand. Maggie, I know we're running out of time. So I'll give you quickly. You want to tease, you're going to want to tease the dogs in the game. No doubt. Whatever they are. I don't, I, I, God knows what's going on with the Bengals chiefs being by the time you're going to tease it. Yeah. So tease the dogs. Uh, also, if you want to bet a fun prop, I, I I think uh, the Hayden Hurst over three and a half, four and a half catches. Dude's got okay. over. That's all he's at. Something like that. He's got over four catches in like ten to fifteen games. Like like yeah, especially like, the past two weeks, he's been their number yeah. two receiver. So just give me Hay- Hayden. Just yeah, because he's been catching the ball all the time. So I like I like that guy a lot. Just catch more catches. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. I, I'm with you. I already jumped on uh, getting. Kansas City plus eight, and I've got San Francisco plus eight and a half on the teaser. And then I teased both of the uh I teased both of the overs down, and I took the over on both of those teased down into the low 40s, 39 for one of the games, I think. And I'm like, that's right where I'm riding. And I think I put maybe five or ten bucks on it, and it pays 130 or something like that. So I'm like, I'll roll with that. You know, and I, I sort of do think that one of the underrated stories that nobody's really talking about that Chiefs Bengals game is that Bengals defense is good. That's the a good defensive team. line. Hendrickson does not get his credit for being the defensive lineman that he is, man. He is good. They're good, man. And they're they're gonna they're gonna be into Mahomes' business, I'm afraid. It's gonna be a great game. Yeah. It's gonna be a great game. Yep. All right, fellas. Well, hey, man, again, as always, thanks for coming on. We're going to have somebody clearly in first place after this week. There's going to be no doubt about it. I don't even know if the Super Bowl will come into play. If it does, it's going to be because the people who lost this week at least hit the over and unders and they're within striking distance. That's the only way this thing's going to happen, man. Go. All right, fellas. Well, I'll see you next time. We'll get back together next week. We'll roll it. Hey, brother. Well, there you have it, guys. Get on there. Get your money. Andy's handing out money. You've seen him doing it all year. You've seen him do it today again. You saw him do it last week. Anthony with some great takes there, man. I love those guys. It's great to hear them break down the game, man. It's fun to talk football with those two guys. The way Andy gets deep dive into all the stats that have to do with the teams and the spreads and what's going on offensively, defensively. Uh, what a great call by him about the the poor man's San Francisco being Washington. I love that take as well. As fun talking football with Anthony play football at a high level it's fun talking with guys you know other guys that have played at a high level and understand the game it's just a lot of fun man I appreciate those guys being here enjoy the games this weekend guys and have a ball man we'll see you next time